Open your Bibles if you have them or turn your phones on to the book of Acts, the 16th chapter. And that's where we're going to start tonight. I want to talk to you a little bit about when God says no. Because we always want him to say yes. But sometimes God says no. And that's why some people left KT. Why some people left the other church or they got mad and walked away from their Christian community. Or they got mad for whatever reason because God said no. We think that God should always say yes to every request, every desire that we have because we always think it's good. But God has a dimension we don't have. He knows the future. He knows your future, my future, your city's future, our nation's future. He knows the future. How to handle and how to deal with when God says no to you. In the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, we have the great apostle Paul, and we know his story well. He was a murderer at one time of Christians, and now he is a church planter for the king of kings and for the Christian family. And in verse 5 and 6 and 7, we have here in verse 5, it says, And so the churches were established in faith and increased in number daily. May God give KT and my church and others that kind of church growth. Daily increase numerically and in faith. Notice there's two different things, in faith and in number. Everybody say faith, faith. and number. number. Amen. Number means people. Number 300 means there's 300, that's a 300th person in the church. Numbers equal people. It's not just statistics. And then they wanted to go traveling and go to other places. And verse 6 says that when they decided to go to these other places, it says in the half of the, half down the middle of the verse, they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, stop and look at that line. Forbidden to preach the word in Asia. First off, do you think God would ever forbid you from preaching the word? Look at that. This is the great apostle Paul, the trumpeter of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the grace of God and the beauty of God and God forbids him. Do not go to Asia and preach. So what does that mean? Don't go. What does that mean? Don't preach. Don't announce the gospel. Don't go there and do evangelism. Don't go. It's one of those things that when you first hear it, you think that can't be from heaven. It's contrary to everything that we feel we've been taught and what our heart wants to do by taking the gospel to everybody we can. And here, Paul is wanting to go and to preach the gospel in the Asianic world, and the Lord says, no. He goes, okay. And he goes to the next verse and wants to go to some other places. I can't even try to say the name. I'm going to just look at them. We'll call it Bristol, London, and Birmingham. How's that? And he's told in verse 7, the Spirit suffered them not. So on two different places of adventure, places where they wanted to go, the Spirit didn't say, be careful. The Spirit didn't say, I'll be with you. The Spirit said, no, go. The great apostle Paul was told no 
by God. He was told, the verbiage that is used here are stronger than just the word no, I believe. He was forbidden and suffered not. To me, those are some very strong ways of saying no. Have you ever been told no by God? Have you ever been told no by God rudely, abruptly, maybe dramatically? Because I think these words explain that it wasn't just an inner little feeling like a red light that goes, no, 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 no. I think the Lord, because Paul was one of those very strong alpha male people. You know what I mean by that? Well, he had to fight principalities and whole cities, so you had to have a certain ha about you. So God had to ha back at him to get his attention, like, no, I forbid you. No. And I said twice in the same verse, in the two verses right next to each other. And so where did God send him? Well, I can't go to Asia, can't preach the word, so he doesn't quite know what to do. And he goes to sleep or has a vision, and a man appeared to Paul in night. It's called a night vision. And there stood a man from Macedonia and prayed him or asked him, come here and help us. So, oh, I have a new assignment. But what if Paul would not have heard the no? What if Paul would not have accepted the no that God gave him. So he takes a turn and journeys in response to this most dramatic appeal. Come and help us. We need help. It was a divine encounter and a direction. So they got together and they went where God told them to go. Verse 10, and after he had seen the vision, immediately... See, I like this guy. He didn't vote on it and asked the elders, can you take six weeks to figure out if it's of God or not? Immediately, we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us uh, to go preach the gospel to them there. He goes to Philippi, and why is in Philippi? I'll kind of run through the story a little bit fast because of time. We have the first European convert named Lydia. I've been to her house or the place where she lived over there. And it's very nice. You can still see where they worked and they did what they did there. And the first on his journey, the first European Christian gets saved and it wasn't a man. It was a European woman. Isn't that a great thing? The first European Christian was a woman who was making fashion. Wow. She was the maker of the color of purple. And he baptized her, and there began Christianity there. Then verse 16, as he keeps journeying to fulfill the call, something uncomfortable happens. Verse 16, it came to pass, as they went to prayer, a young damsel, a young girl, possessed with some devils, the spirit of divination, met us, and she brought those that owned her a lot of money through her, her works and her ways, her soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and she cried 
These are the men, the servants of God, the most high God, that show us the way of salvation. She did this for many days. Paul, being bugged or grieved in his spirit, turned to the spirit in her and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And that devil came out that same hour. When the owners of the girl saw that the means of their money making had ended, they didn't shout for joy and join the church. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and demanded something be done about what had happened. And they began to grow, throw charges at them. Eventually, verse 25 occurs. Paul and Silas end up in jail. Now, let's stop here for a moment and look at this. We also have been taught another fantasy, that when we obey God, everything works out okay. And sometimes as we journey toward the commissioning that God has given us and we hit obstacles, we hit trauma, we hit problems, people give up. Well, I guess that's not the Lord because I'm in jail. If God was for us and God was with us, we wouldn't be in jail. Let me take an American gun and shoot that fantasy. The idea that everything you do for Christ is going to be comfortable, easy, and works out beautifully. God does say no to you. And on the road of obedience, it's bumpy sometimes. That doesn't mean you give up or you run away. How many people do we know that begin the Christian journey of obeying their destiny and they never got past first base or close to the finish line of their destiny? And when you talk to them, how many of them can you remember said, well, it was difficult. Things didn't work out. Welcome to life. Welcome to earth. Sure, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Should I preach a different sermon? Maybe it's because you're guilty. Full gospel people that I've grown up with have been told a lie that when you obey God and you set your face to do the, world, the will of God, that it's all gonna be wonderful and glorious. And because we keep repeating that as a fact, when things are different, Many of the ones that we have brought into faith or have become friends of have heard us talk this way and then they find out that it's difficult and they walk away thinking there's something wrong with them or I don't want anything to do with this because we gave them the wrong type of understanding. Let's destroy the fantasy. So part of the KT family, since Pastor Colin became the pastor of this church many years ago, I became their friends. I love this church. I, I was telling Pastor Amanda a moment ago, I said the best time of my private life was when I lived here. She smiled and I said, because I wasn't in charge. 
It was the first time in my life since I was 17 years old, I wasn't in charge. I had to learn how not to be in charge. I made mistakes. I assumed things I should have been asking about. Because since you're 17, you're in charge of budgets, staff, vision, the whole thing. And one of the greatest things about being in this church when I was there is I made friends I still have today. Because most of my life, I lived in what I call the travel world of acquaintances. Nice acquaintances, good people, but I see you when you're single and sometimes when the last time I saw you in the new time, you got married and had a baby. I missed the wedding and the birth. That's how I lived my life until I came here for five years. But being here those five years and years before, I'd meet people different places or I'd talk to them and they left KT. And I asked them, why? Well, it got rough. So, they had believed or been told this falsity that when you join a church, like KT especially, that everything will just be wonderfully rosy. Do you think KT can survive without warfare? Do you think you can be a member of this great apostolic generational church that has blessed this city and the world in ways that we'll never know till we get to heaven and not be under some type of warfare at times, individually and corporately? And when you've been told the lie, everything works together and it's just nice and there's no problem. For the man that does not obey, there's no drama. For the church that does not pursue the high call and to execute their anointing and do their governing, there is no persecution. There is no conflict. But for them that do, there are moments of time when there is conflict, there is battles. The fantasy of easy road disappears and may not come back into your gaze for a long time. So what keeps you going? You keep going because you love Jesus. You stay faithful to your post because you love Jesus. I'm 52 years old. I hope I don't look it. Some days I make old man noises when I get up now. I thought, Lord, heal me. Give me back a young body. I thought, oh, ow. I thought, oh, I'm making old man noises I used to make fun of with other people. Now I'm doing it. That was a joke, but no one laughed. <laughs> 52 years. Ministry over 30 years so far. I'm asked now, something unusual has happened in my life since I went home to America. Every week, young pastors and young evangelists fly across America to have lunch with me. I thought, you want to fly from California to eat with me? Well, if you want to fly halfway around the world, come on, I'll eat with you. And it starts happening over and over. I'm like, ooh, they're coming from everywhere. Miami, New Mexico, New York, Toronto, Canada. Sure. And they, they come just to have lunch and look at me. And I look back at them. I said, well, why did you come? Well, we want to ask you questions. I said, well, okay, ask away. And it never fails before we leave or they fly back home the next morning. They always say, my life's not been so easy. Well, welcome to earth. I 
So what I thought when I obeyed the Lord, I would have a, a, an easy road and God's anointing would give me a, a breaker anointing. I said, it yeah, break through to other drama. <laughs> We've been, I'm saying this for like the fifth time, so please get it something on my next point. You keep giving it back to me. I'm giving it back to you for the fifth time. We've been sold and told a false statement. That Paul was told to go preach the gospel and all the way to Macedonia, he hid nothing but trouble. He had one breakthrough with Lydia and after that, he ended up in jail again. Paul and Silas in jail at midnight, verse 25. Why? Because they cast out a devil on their way to their destiny. And drama happened. We live in a time we must recommit ourselves to our faith and the cause of Christ in our time. That whether there is a good day or we live in the next five years of troubled, resistant wind, we change not our place, our post, our voice and our destiny. We don't budge because of contrary winds. Notice the clap sound on that statement. Half of you clap, the other half, well, we got one still going for it. And like Brother Roberts, I'm on a prophecy. Yay, says Brother Roberts. Troubles. The way we get through them is not by avoiding them, by going through them. We must reaffirm our hope and our assuredness in the cross of Christ and the work that he did. That we are saved by him and him alone. No cooperation of any other deity has lifted an ounce of help to save us eternally but Christ alone. We are Christians. We follow and trust and believe in Christ Jesus alone. There is no mixture of Christ, Buddha, or Muhammad. We stand on the grace of God that is extended through us in Christ Jesus. We are Christians. We are Christ-like ones. We are Christ-like ones becoming greater in his image and his way. In our societies, we are about to face, as Pastor Colin said a few moments ago, as he began to describe what he saw that we're gonna have to be dealing with and praying with and in your society and now also in mine. For the first time in the American society as I have understood it, I'm seeing Christian persecution beginning to flow among the society of the Americas. Before it's said and done, they will relate Christian people the same as racist and all the other bad names that are in society. That move has already happened and growing in this country. I don't know if it'll disappear. So let's take for a moment that attitude and that kind of persecution that is coming. Do we think we miss it because we're being persecuted? If we believe this fantasy 
that everything is just going to be rosy and wonderful, then when this wave begins to roar itself at us at different times and seasons, we will back off, back away, and not stay where we're supposed to be. I want you to begin in your heart and mind to recommit and reaffirm who you believe in, whose you are, who owns you, who you'll obey. You will not give up and you'll keep your faith and your hand in the hand of Christ Jesus. No matter what comes at you and your family, hell or high water, we will remain faithful to him through it all. Paul and Silas could have taken the attitude, I obeyed the vision while I'm in prison. I obeyed the Lord, why don't I have any money? I obeyed the Lord and I didn't get the promotion there. But at midnight, in the worst moment of their, of their travel here, they didn't give up their faith. They didn't curse God and be upset. They sang and they prayed out loud. They didn't whisper like British people. They prayed out loud like African people. and rude Americans. Oh, come on, I'm playing with you, laugh. You get my point. There's a story in history I wanna tell before I begin to move up further in the message. A young girl named Amy Carmichael, ever heard of her? Wonderful lady and a great missionary from the UK. She grew up and she ended up going to India as a missionary in the early 1800s. When she was a little girl, she had brown eyes. And she wanted blue eyes like I have. I was born blonde and blue. Now I put color so you can't see what color my hair is. <laughs> she got up one night and was a little girl and she prayed to Jesus. And she wanted God to take her brown eyes and make them blue. And she was so convinced that the God that made the stars and the animals and all the things that we see could do that for her and, and he would do it so when she'd wake up in the morning, her brown eyes would be blue. She woke up and had a Jesus problem. Her eyes were still brown. So for a little while, she didn't like that God said no. Remember my first point? God told Amy Carmichael by not doing the miracle that he gave her the right color eyes. She didn't like it as a little girl. So she had a little moment of time in her life where her and Jesus are having a combat because he didn't answer her prayer. She grows older, she comes into her, Becoming a young lady, she finds her way to being one of the first missionaries to this part of India. First lady missionary there. When she got into the community, she found that 
the Indian families of that area would give one of their children to the temple priest to use as a sex slave or as a working slave. So a family would give a little girl, a little boy, and that's how they gave to their gods. And those little kids were being abused. And Amy tried to go to the families and say, don't do this, and went to the priest and say, send them back to their families. And they wouldn't listen because that's the way life had been done. She went to the authorities of the day and there was not much governmental authority to, to reason with and they didn't listen to this white British lady who wanted to stop an Indian tradition. So she thought, what can I do about this? So she had a, an idea. She dressed up like an Indian woman in a sari dress and went and got coffee ground because you know Christians can't wear makeup back then. And she put on her face coffee grounds and turned her white British face as brown as she could get it. And she'd walk into one of those temples and put a little girl or a little boy under her dress and walk out. So slowly the children begin to disappear. And the priest couldn't find out what happened to the kids. They, and then they eventually figured out after a long time, but for a while, little girls would disappear and she'd take them home and give them good food and begin to love them the right way and begin to give them self-esteem back and just treat them right. And little boys the same way, but she'd go in every few days and into the little pagan temple and walk out. Eventually, they discovered what had happened and there was a conflict, but she is accredited to begin some of the child protection laws in the great nation of India. She kept going after because it was not right how they were treated. They looked now on her as a great help to the people of India, Amy Carmichael. But in the middle of all of that, we have to remember she prayed a prayer. I want blue eyes. I want blue eyes. All right, let's put you in an Indian dress and put coffee grounds on your face and walk into the temple with blue eyes. They can spot you because most Indians have brown eyes. God knew something about her future that the answer to her prayer that was correct was no. If God would have changed her brown eyes blue, she would not have been able to do what she did and affect the nation the way she did if God would have answered her request. Sometimes the answer for your request is no. No. You cannot go to Asia and preach Paul. You gotta go the other way. Paul didn't have a fit even when he's in jail. He prayed and got a breakthrough. Build a church there. Why did you have a fit when God told you no? Why is it when God says no to us, we get angry thinking that God doesn't like us? God didn't honor our tithing. Knew the whole list we got. I evangelize, I'm in a cell group. I'm in KT for 20 years and you won't give me blue eyes? 
we're going to have to trust God. That when God says no to something, it's not because he's angry at you or he's trying to torture you or be hostile to you, but he knows something about your future that you don't know yet. That answering the prayer the way that you want it is not right for your life not right for your destiny. And that's where we have to trust God. That he knows what we don't know. He sees what we don't see. And when he forbids us and suffers us not and says no to us, it's not God's anger at you. It's God's wisdom and love expressing it in a very powerful way to assist the greatness of your life. Psalms 84, my last verse here the, tonight, and verse 11, a verse that you probably have heard preached before. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory, watch this, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. When God withholds something from you, it's a good thing. We have to see God's no's, not as punishment, but as something good that he knows about your life that you don't see yet, don't feel yet, but he knows it. It's a good thing, because God does not do bad toward you. God does not work evil against you. God is for you. God likes you. Do you know that God likes you? And when God says no, why don't you just go okay? Instead of having a British fit or an African compulsions. Well, I didn't get my way. My sermon is very simple. For some reason, this is all the Lord gave me to, to give to you tonight. I have other great notes. I have great sermons. He said, just tell them. When I say no, it's not because I'm mad at them. I know something that they don't know yet. And the right answer to their request is no. Tonight, some of you have had a conflict inside. Your life almost came to a standstill because you didn't know why God didn't do this, why God didn't answer you a certain way. Tonight's the night you let all of that go and you accept the no's of God in your life. Paul could have got upset and said, I wanted to go to Asia, but now I'm in jail. I wanted to go to Asia and preach to the Asian people, but no, you wouldn't let me. Look what happened to me. I'm now in jail, in the innermost part of the jail, and it's midnight and I'm not happy. Why? Why? Mm. I'm not sure I want to continue my ministry. If I ever get out of this cell, I'm done. Ever thought about that? Have you ever said that? Let's repent of those things in a few minutes. And let's get the nose of God 
viewed the right way, they're the blessings of God too. When God says no, it's still a good thing. He withholds no good thing from them that walk uprightly. So even a no can be a good thing when God knows it's right. Did you get all those no's? Stand up on your feet. We're gonna pray now.